We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Could you imagine what it would be like to have your school just after you take over it or company or any group to be merged with another one shortly after you've done that. And even more importantly, moved to another organization and not where you first started. Can you imagine what the culture would be like and how you would address it? Hey, everybody, Dr. Jones, in this week's episode of Seeing to Lead, with Vicki Wilson, talks about just that. You see, Vicki was in that position, and so she decided to take a tact that some people may not have. It all had to do with perception and perspective. You see, perspective matters so much because it just doesn't matter how we see people, but ultimately, how they see themselves. And the way you do that is by working from a strengths-based perspective instead of thinking about deficits. You see, when you see people, you don't pick out what could be better. You pick out what they're strong in, and then you find other strengths in other people, and you put them together, and before you know it, you have moments and pockets of strength that become a movement, an overwhelming culture of strength. That takes a switching of your own perspective so that others may follow. And that is what this episode is about. Vicki did a fantastic job of this, and wait till you hear how. She took the culture, improved it from the grassroots up. But don't take it from me. Let's hear from Vicki Wilson on Scene to Lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. 
MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Let her kids display what she was doing. And it, it wasn't even a directed lesson. It was, we came in and saw the kids like going from board to board, dialoguing with each other and challenging each other. And, and it had tremendous impact on everybody. And I think what a shame it might have been if for her entire career, that practice only happened in her classroom and no one ever knew about it except for the children. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Vicki Wilson is an educator, author, consultant, and professional development presenter who has served children and educators for over 30 years as a teacher and principal. She is passionate about education, especially about adult learning and the value or impact it has on student learning. Vicki's interests include educator learning, leadership, organizational change, progressive and innovative practices in education, and leveraging best practices at school to make an improvement so that all students get the best possible education. Vicki is especially proud of the journey she took as a 16-year principal, where she led a school through a closing and merger, instituted a strength-based approach to instructional rounds, empowering teachers, to learn and grow from each other's strengths, and eventually led her school to become a nationally recognized model PLC school by Solution Tree. Under Vicky's leadership, Monroe became known as a student-centered school that values both student and adult collaborative learning. In 2020, Vicky published Lead with Instructional Rounds, creating a culture of professional learning, a lead like a pirate guidebook with Dave Burgess Consulting. This book shares the journey of a difficult school merger and how it healed and grew into a healthy school culture using a unique school-centered approach to instructional rounds. In 2021, Vicki was part of a 100-author collaboration to write 100 No-Nonsense Things That All Teachers Should Stop Doing and 100 No-Nonsense Things That All Administrators Should Stop Doing, both published by Publishing Boundaries Consulting. Pushing Boundaries Consulting, I apologize. Currently, Vicki trains and develops schools to implement her grassroots approach to instructional rounds with a strength-focused lens that empowers school staff to learn and grow from and with each other. She also works with Solution Tree as an associate to deliver professional development in professional learning communities at work, consults and leads professional learning with schools and districts through the transition and change process associated with school closings and mergers, and coaches and mentors school leaders. Vicki enjoys connecting with a professional learning network 
through Twitter, Twitter chats, blogs, and events. I'm excited to talk to Vicki today. So Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris, for having me. I'm really glad to be here. You know, Vicki, in reading through your bio, that's that's quite the quite the bio. And I'm I'm familiar with Dave Burgess Publishing and Consulting. And I've read the books, 100 No-Nonsense Things, and I really like them. So it's really interesting that we've come into contact after me hearing you on another podcast to be able to talk about these things that you write about and more importantly, even live in your practice each day. Thank you. I'm really excited to have that conversation with you today. So talk to me about something in your bio that really interested me when I was reading through that is the idea of leveraging those best practices around schools to improve the experience for everybody involved. What does that look like? And what do you mean by leveraging best practices? When I think of leveraging, I think of how are we sharing this work and utilizing it across our school as as a common practice and when we think of the structure of schools, there's so much isolation in the way schools are built and the way they're structured and the way we even set them up with individual classrooms and a teacher and four walls. And so when I talk about leveraging best practices, is how do we, once we learn about our practices and best instructional practices and what research says about it and what the science says about it and what the art of best practices are, and we start utilizing them in our classrooms, how do we share that? So it goes from classroom to classroom and we can start leveraging these practices across our school. So it's important that you talk about the isolation piece. And typically people talk more about isolation the higher up you go in school. So you get into those secondary levels and you separate those content areas. You see it at the lower levels too, but especially at the high school levels. How do you break down that isolation? Or how did you go about breaking down that isolation? Well, you know, I started reading about different ways that we can get teachers into each other's classrooms. Actually, I'm going to back that up even further to when I first became a principal. I had the benefit of becoming a principal in the school that I had taught at for three years prior to becoming that principal there. And the first thing that struck me, you know, I was really excited excited to get into classrooms and start talking about teaching and learning with teachers and observing and having conversations about instruction. And when I got into those classrooms of my colleagues, my friends, my people I knew, I was just blown away how for these years, I had no idea what was happening inside their classroom. Or I would see something that they were doing that was amazing And I had no idea after working with them for years that they had this this act of amazing that they were doing with kids. And I got really excited, but also started contemplating, like, how can I get other teachers to be a fly on a wall in each other's classrooms the way I'm suddenly getting to do now being their principal? And I don't think that had I gone into a school where I didn't know the people that I had been working with, if I would have even discovered that or realized it. So that was what really struck me by becoming a principal where I was already working is I had no idea what was happening in those classrooms. And the other thing that I actually felt that I actually felt bad about is I also had preconceived notions on what I expected it would be like 
when I went there that were many times unfair. And that's just based on maybe, you know, walking down the hallways or conversations in the lounge. And so, you know, I went in and realized that a lot of my preconceived thoughts were not valid or justified or also that there were these greatnesses happening that I didn't know were happening and and how can we leverage that across the school. So that's really where it all started. And so then I started reading and learning and, you know, reading about walkthroughs or instructional rounds and, and um, trying to figure out, and I even shared with my staff right away, like I'm blown away coming into your classrooms and there's, there's so much greatness and um, I'm so excited to learn with you. And I, I want to figure out a way that we can make this happen. And it did take me a long time to get there, but eventually we did get there. Um, but I, I really had to shift it quite a bit. I was just going to say, it took a long time to get there. Get where? Getting people to do those things with you or? It took a long time, probably about five years after becoming a principal, where I actually had a system and a structure in place in order to do that. And that in itself was a journey that that played into the approach we ended up taking five years down the road. So after I became a principal, um, year one was was really great. You know, it's kind of like a honeymoon year and getting in and talking about instruction and and also kind of brewing in my head, how can I, how can I get each other, get us into each other's classrooms? Not really sure how to solve that yet. Year two, I had the blessing of having twin babies. So I had a little bit of a maternity leave there and was overwhelmed about a whole lot of things with the the two-year-old and twin babies suddenly and a brand new principal. So um, we didn't execute it that year either. When I got back from maternity leave. So, you know, I think around January, um, my superintendent met with me upon my return and shared with me that at the end of that school year, we would be closing our elementary school and merging it with um, the other, another elementary school that was nearby in our district. And that that principal would be retiring. So I would be the principal of these two schools together and it would be in at the location of the other school. What I learned quickly is that these two, our two schools, McKinley and Monroe, operated very differently. They were, they were kind of polar opposite in the way that they worked. And so that provided a lot of challenges. I knew that both schools we're on a journey to learn more about instructional practices. That was a goal, but they also operated very differently. You know, one was what I call kind of like a kumbaya school and just really happy and sing-alongs and just making sure that the kids were loved and happy. And, and we needed, we definitely needed to grow in instructional practices, but we, you know, we were really good at making sure everybody was happy. And then the school we were merging with when I, you know, started to um, get over there and start planning, I learned that it was much more regimented. So an example I like to share is, is getting ready for um, the opening of the school year and in the office just with the secretary and the bells started going off and I'm, you know, I'm listening and I'm hearing 
the bells and there was a morning bell and then there were bells happening throughout the lunchtime. And then there was the three o'clock bell and 15 later, 15 minutes later, there was another bell. And um, I called out to my secretary and I'm like, what was that bell for? And she said, well, that's the teacher dismissal bell. And I'm like, there's a teacher dismissal bell. And I said, do all the teachers then get up and leave at that time? And she's like, yeah. And it just, it was just very, very different. Or um, when school started opening, the the teachers scheduled appointments to talk to me instead of walking in to my office and just saying, hey. So it was, like I said, very, very different. And um, bringing these two groups of adults together to thrive in a learning culture together was a huge challenge. And, you know, school number one felt like they lost their school and their home and, and all of that. Um, but they were coming over together. But school number two felt like they were taking over because, you know, not only are you coming into our school, but you're bringing your leader that you've had for two years with, with you. So they, you know, they felt very much like they weren't going to be listened to or heard or, or that wasn't really their leader. So it was quite a divide. That first few years probably took about 10 years off of my life. It was really hard to, you know, to work with adults in that setting and, and trying to <laughs> bring them together and unite around some common ideas and understandings and and norms. And, and mind you, I was only a second year principal and I did not know what I was doing yet. And I had two newborn babies and I wasn't sleeping very well at night. Like it was so hard, but Still in the back of my mind, there was always this brewing going on, like, how do I get teachers into each other's classrooms? But I, I put it away because we had m- much bigger problems to deal with, like just trying to unite everybody and be on the same page and have a, having a school improvement plan and all that. So eventually in time, and it took a few years and a little bit of push, like I had some teachers saying, hey, I want to go in and see how this person is doing math rounds. They were trying to like play around with doing math rounds, like like reading rounds or um, like a daily five, daily five math. Can we, can you relieve us so that we can get in and see each other? And I was so grateful they said that. So I'm like, yes, I am going to do that. And we're going to, do it in a structured way with something that's just been percolating in my head for years. And, and we're going to um, do it in structural rounds style. Um, and what I meant by that is, is I'll take you all as a group and we will look in one, we'll look at one class and how they're doing it for 10 minutes. We'll step outside and then we'll dialogue about the positive things that we saw happening in that classroom and the impact that was having on students around that idea of, of math and how it was structured and how that was working. Um, and then we'll go into another one of the classrooms, observe for 10 minutes, and we're going to come out and then we're going to dialogue around best practices there, what was working, what was the positives. And so the structure that ended up coming out of it was um, 10 minutes in a room, five minutes of dialogue around a reflective question that brought about positive practices and we did that four times. So four rooms, five, five-minute dialogues. And then we ended with a much larger reflection process where we really reflected on what we saw and what 
with seeing that what's validating the work that we're doing in our own classrooms. And then also, what did we see that we would like to take and grow from and try in the work that we're doing? And that was a way of, of spreading those best practices. So in doing that, there was a bit of a flip on a couple um, a couple of the ideas of instructional rounds in order to make it work with this merger. And one is that it it's not looking for a deficit or a problem to fix. We're looking for the strengths that are happening and how we can spread and leverage those. And the other thing is that it wasn't a top-down initiative, but it's grassroots. This is us in our school and we want to go in and see what's working in each other's classrooms and start to to talk about it and spread those practices around our school. And that's really where where it all started. And it just kind of took that merger. What ended up happening in the merger, so we we did it just as that experiment around math instruction or math daily five rounds. And then from there, we started to just use it generally. Like we're just going to go into each other's classrooms, look for positives, talk about it, validate our work. And we started not to see ourselves as two different teams anymore, two different entities, but we started to talk about each other through the strengths of what was happening in each of our classrooms with our students. And we would start talking about the impact those those practices would have on those students. And out of that, in that structure of a strength-focused instructional rounds, but really a grassroots style. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. So just so you just said a ton there and I'm sitting here, I've got so many questions. I did. That was a mouthful. Thanks for listening for that long. Hey, you know, the the listeners are going to benefit from that. It's like you just gave a little bit of a class on how to get instructional rounds started, but Better than, I would argue, the t- which maybe is why you won that award for your school, better than the typical instructional rounds that we hear. Because it's you, you mentioned a couple things that are really important. You mentioned the grassroots. It, it started from the bottom and people did it because they, and that creates a vested interest in it. And then you talked about strengths-based. Boy, if we could just do everything every day focusing on the strengths instead of highlighting the deficiencies, we would go so much further because, you know, and I mean, there's, there's tons of books on this, but the idea that once you're highlighting a deficiency and trying to fix a deficiency, you can only improve that deficient deficiency. That's going to be a tough word for me to keep saying. So maybe I better move away from it. You can only 
strengthen that deficiency so much to a certain point. If somebody's good at skill A and you're not that good at skill A, well, if they work on skill A, they're going to get that much better. You're never even going to reach maybe where they were before, where it might be that the flip for you with skill B, where you're strong in that. So why not highlight their strengths and then you can put people that complement each other together and turn that whole merger into a positive thing, which it sounds like that's what you did. It really did. Once we started doing that, just the divide between the two staffs completely crumbled and so fast. Like for three years, I'd been working really hard and, you know, trying to having staff meetings and professional learning. And, you know, let's look at our our personalities and how we how we fit together and, you know, doing some of those personality quizzes, which I think are also very beneficial. But it wasn't until that we could see each of the people on our staff, like doing what they, they love and they're passionate about with their students and see them in that role, which we don't engage with them ever in that way, with the way schools are structured. But once we could see them being passionate about teaching and doing what they love and making a difference with their students and then coming out and only talking about what we saw positively. So we're only framing the work in a positive way and the strengths that they have. It just, it changed everything. And and we really didn't have two sides anymore. And then teachers would go, you know, they want to learn more. They they got that 10 minute glimpse, but they want to learn more. So now they, they're starting to talk each other to each other. Well, how did you set that up? Like, how did that, you know, where did you begin with that? And so I'd often see them going and learning more from each other. And and that's constantly happening. Some other benefits are we started to develop a common vocabulary on our staff, but not even just the vocabulary, but a common understanding of that. So like, you know, think about, think about the word rigor. Do we, do we all really know what that is? Do we all have a common understanding of what it is? Or does rigor mean something different from class A to B to C to D? And if we can, you know, we can have a professional development about depth of knowledge and rigor. And then, you know, it's time for instructional rounds. And as the facilitator, if I see an, an example of a depth of knowledge three, then I can pose a question around that. And we could talk about the strengths of how that teacher um, got those kids to adapt the knowledge three. And that's what rigor really looks like. Or another one, this was a, a real life example. We were, um, and this was, we had learned about, we had had a training on rigor maybe a year or, or a year and a half prior to this. And we're in a classroom and it was a math class. And the kids were engaged around kind of a, a big problem, a messy problem that they they had to come up with some strategies and there, you know, there's more than one answer to the question. And they were really, they were struggling with it and in their struggle, having a lot of really good math dialogue. And so when we stepped out to have our um, dialogue around best practices, we started talking about productive struggle and how that was an evidence of rigor in that classroom. So now we now we are starting to, we're calibrating. We're calibrating what rigor is because, 
And this was a training we had well over a year ago, but we're still talking about it. So all the, all the learning we've done professionally stays living. If you are, if you're regularly doing this work of instructional rounds and, and finding the strengths of implementation in classrooms. That's fantastic. And the idea of continuing the practice is not a one and done type of thing, which we always know and say, but something that came up that was really interesting to me is the idea of perspective. And you mentioned it a little bit at the beginning where one school, it was like they were moving over into this different atmosphere. The other school, it was like the other school is coming and taking over. So people had those different perspectives. And then you talk about when you go into a classroom, when teachers go see other teachers, it's really easy to have a preconceived notion or to have a certain perspective about that teacher. That teacher does this or that teacher does that. And we, we personalize our practice. We, we try not to, but we do to an extent. But to then go into the classrooms like you're talking about and change those preconceived notions so that perspectives are changed. And then you start to see these people in a different light. And then even a step further, when you talk about perspective, the perspective of different definitions of, like you used rigor for an example, that common language piece where now everybody's operating from the same perspective on what quality instruction looks like and what improvement looks like in the classroom. That's such a powerful thing, all from having people go around and do instructional rounds and continue that work. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) There's no question there, but it's just... (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, you're completely right. And here's another story that that reminds me of is I have a teacher who's really an introvert uh, and she was a a veteran teacher, very, very introverted. So um, when she started opening her classroom for instructional rounds, what was amazing is I think there was a perception of that she was withdrawn a lot and um, didn't didn't share a lot in, in staff meetings or professional development. But when we went into her room, when she opened it up, and and that came when she was comfortable. Like I've always done it. When you're ready, you'll volunteer for it. It's never a forced thing because then it really isn't a grassroots effort anymore. So when she was comfortable and started doing it, it kind of blew everybody away. Now I, I'd been in class. I'd been in her classroom plenty of times, so I I was prepared for it. Like I knew what she does with kids, but the rest of our staff really didn't. And so when she opened up her room, this veteran teacher, she had such a grasp on the four C's of 21st century learning. And nobody was expecting that from her. And and they went in her classroom and every student team had their own large whiteboard space. So Every time they would go into any kind, she'd pose a question and they go into brainstorming or they're creating a visual display around whatever challenge she gave them. And then, then they started rotating to each other's board to talk about that and give feedback to the next team. And they went around the room and um, it was not a instructional practice that anybody had been using. And we stepped out and 
then I pose a reflective question around the, the four C's of 21st century learning. Let's talk about each of them and what you saw in the classroom today. And it was amazing. And, and the perception like everybody in that group now had over that teacher that really had never shared her practices before, only because it's her style. She's such an introvert, was able to let her kids display what she was doing. And it, it wasn't even a directed lesson. It was, we came in and saw the kids like going from board to board, dialoguing with each other and challenging each other. And and it had tremendous impact on everybody. And I think what a what a shame it might have been if for her entire career, that practice only happened in her classroom. And no one ever knew about it except for the children. That... That is so well said. What a shame that would have been. Well, that's it for part one. Make sure you tune into part two next week. You know, like I said, Vicki had so much to teach us about all things being positive, not focusing on deficits, so we can try and leverage people's strengths. The idea that, you know, solid, successful systems take time to build And as you've heard many times on this show, must start with culture. Those initiatives that we do, they need to be grassroots if they're going to be successful. Look, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Seeing to Lead. And I ask you a favor. If what you heard was valuable, don't hesitate to share it, subscribe, or leave a rating or review so other people can benefit from it too. Even better, share your biggest takeaway and tag me on social media. Have a great week, and I promise you're going to enjoy part two just as much, if not more, next week when Vicki finishes up her interview on Scene to Lead. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. 
through professional learning presented on site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.